find a quote that really speaks to me about the Holy Spirit from just, uh, you know, well-known church teachers, preachers, leaders in history. One of the greatest teachers, I think, in the church has been A.W. Tozer. And this is what he said about the Holy Spirit. And uh, let's just read it. I'll read it. And then we're going to read Romans 8, 26 together. We're talking tonight about the Spirit's help, the help of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have had His help recently? How about today? Amen. Here's what Tozer wrote. He said, spell this out in capital letters, quote, the Holy Spirit is a person. Can we read that together, everybody? The Holy Spirit is a person. Here's what he's not. He's not enthusiasm. He is not courage. He is not energy. He is not the personification of all good qualities, like Jack Frost is the personification of cold weather. Actually, the Holy Spirit is not the personification of anything. He has individuality. He is one being and not another. He has will and intelligence. He has hearing. He has knowledge. He hears you. He hears me. He has knowledge and sympathy and ability to love and see and think. He can hear, speak, desire, grieve, and rejoice. That's a person. That's a person. Now let's read Romans 8.26 together, can we? Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper. Father, thank you for this message tonight. Speak to our hearts. And thank you, Lord God, for the help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's going to help you. Now tell him you need help. Now, we've been in this study for a while, and I want to remind you that I'm headed towards a series on the blood of Jesus. We're going to call it Seeing Red, and it's going to change your life. I'm so excited about this series, Seeing Red, the blood of Jesus. Uh, Probably going to go into some things you've never heard that are not often taught. We're going to go into it in depth, and it's it's going to change you. But right now, in our study of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we've seen that He speaks, He testifies, he guides, he commands, he appoints leadership in the church. He leads, thank God for that. He reproves and he convicts of sin. He seals God's promise in believers' hearts. And we've seen that the Holy Spirit is God. There's God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. He is God. He's just not some foggy extension of God. He is God. He's one of the three manifestations of God. I've shared with you and uh, that in the Old Testament, we find God the Father. Just go through the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible, go all the way through. You find Father God dealing with people, dealing with His people. And 
Then when you get into the New Testament in the Gospels, we encounter the Son, God the Son. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's all about God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But when you leave the Gospels and you go into Acts and the letters, we encounter the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Beginning with the day of Pentecost, it's all about the Holy Spirit. The Bible says our Bible calls Acts the Acts of the Apostles, and that's really true. But you know what it also is? It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, read it. I mean, even Peter walking down the street, his shadow falling across the sick heals them. Well, was that anything supernatural about Simon Peter's shadow? No, it was the Holy Spirit. And so you get to the book of Revelations, and here's what you encounter, the returning Son of God, the returning Son of God. But in the Old Testament, God the Father, in the Gospels, God the Son, in the letters, God the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look tonight at the fact that He is our helper. Jesus called Him our helper. Paul says that God's Spirit is right alongside us, and I love this, right alongside us, helping us along. The the Greek word is parakletos, para, alongside, and called to, called alongside. Parakletos, that's the Holy Spirit. So we have a helper, thank God. We have a helper. And how many of you can say, I need that help? A child of God, let's be honest tonight. Can we just be honest and not be, uh, uh, um, I don't know, church correct or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? A child of God is afflicted much in this world. What did the, the psalmist say? Many are the afflictions of who? The righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of some of them. You got that one down, don't you? A child of God is afflicted much in this world, often driven to his wit's end. Ever been there? Even though a joint heir with Christ, he or she can be tossed up and down on a sea of trouble, buffeted and harassed by Satan, and frequently overcome by indwelling sin. Can we be honest tonight and and just fess up and say, that's really the way that it is. I battle a lot. There are a lot of struggles in the Christian life. It's an uphill stream, uh, uphill fight all the way. You're swimming upstream. That's why we need the Holy Ghost because of the call of God on every believer. We get buffeted by the devil, attacked by the enemy of our soul. There's a target painted on our chest. He doesn't want you advertising Jesus to this world. He wants you caught up in your problems, weighed down by your troubles, distracted, detoured, sidetracked. He does not want you in there hitting the bullseye with the anointing of God on your life. I'm going to tell you, I never met the devil until I got saved and called. Then I met the devil. And I'm going to tell you, he plays hardball, and I'm not here to lift him up. Because he is a defeated foe, but he plays hardball. And we need to be wise about him. We are not ignorant, Paul said, of his devices. 
But because we are in a world that's going one way and God has called us to go the other, we're in the world walking down the wide road that leads to destruction as fast as they can get there. But, but we are called to the narrow road that leads to life. This is where we live, but it is not our ultimate home. This is a hotel, and one day we're going to check out. Amen. And so there is a battle. There is a battle against you, dear Christian friend. There's a battle against you. And because you've got to fight the flesh and fight the enemy of your soul, you're going to be buffeted all the time, knocked down, uh, 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 attacked. And so thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the helper. I would not be in ministry. I can guarantee you, except for the helper, the Holy Ghost, would have been gone a long time ago. He's the spirit of resurrection. He is the helper. He is the strengthener. He is the guide. He's the one that when you don't think you can take one more step, you end up taking a hundred. When you think you're down for the count, he stands you up right before the devil says, out. He's the helper. And man, all you got to do is live for God for a year or less to realize how invaluable he is. We've got to have him or we're sunk. We'd be hamburger meat for the devil if it weren't for the Holy Spirit of God. I'm telling you, I know I'm right. One commentator wrote this about the, ch the children of God. Loved by the Father, redeemed by the Son, His body made the temple of the Holy Spirit, yet left in this world year after year to suffer affliction and persecution, to mourn and groan over innumerable failures, to encounter one trial after another, yet for all this sorrow and suffering, we increase. How does that make any sense? The Holy Ghost. God makes everything work together for the good for those who are love God and are called according to his purpose. And even though we go through hell on earth sometimes, how is it that we increase? It is because of the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. The same spirit that moved across the body of Jesus in that tomb on the first Easter Sunday and raised him from the dead is in you. The same spirit. So say, what a mystery. I keep on increasing. Amen. By the help of the ever-present Spirit of God, the believer is preserved from being totally submerged by his doubts and fears. The spark of faith is maintained. He is kept from sinking into hopeless despair. Hope is kept alive, and the voice of prayer is still faintly heard, even in the worst of times, because of the helper of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what, folks, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. I am so thankful. You know what we need in our churches? We don't need better programs. We don't need fancier buildings. We need a move of the Holy Spirit of God. That's when things really begin to happen. Well, I'll tell you, I can remember times, and I've got experiences like this all through my life, but what brought me into Jesus Christ in the first place? Let me just testify for a minute. I was a hippie, 
had hair down here, parted down the middle, wire rim glasses, so skinny, you turned me sideways, you lost me. I looked like a broom. But I walked into, I was invited to a Bible study one night and I walked in and here's all these young people, just like me, former hippies, druggies, everything, standing there, hands lifted, worshiping God. And there was something in that room that was tangible. I did not know what the Holy Ghost was, but when I walked in that room, something got stirred in me and I saw tears running down their faces as they worshiped God in spirit and in truth. I didn't know what it was. Didn't know. But he touched me. I prayed a dangerous prayer that night. I said, Lord, Jesus, if you can give me that, I'll give up anything and go anywhere you tell me to. And he took me up on it right then. And something came upon me. I don't care what you want to call it theologically. I've been all through the theological semantics. I can, you, if you want to call it baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, second experience, third experience, first experience, I don't care what you call it. I just know it's real. And I know that it changed my life. I met Jesus Christ through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's the testifier of Jesus. He can't, you can't be in a place where he moves without having your eyes turned upward to Jesus. He brings attention to Jesus and takes all attention off of flesh. He lifts up the Son of God. He delivers you. He breaks the shackles. He takes the grave clothes off. He fills you with life. He guides you. He leads you. He talks to you. He listens to you. He is your helper. And I got called to preach because the Spirit of God became a fire shut up in my bones I could not keep in even though I didn't want to do it my flesh was afraid to preach in front of people yet Jeremiah said I'm so tired of being batted around and persecuted and made fun of and mocked and ridiculed I'm not preaching anymore he said but his spirit his word was like a fire shut up in my bones and I could not keep it in Folks, let me tell you something. We need a moving of the Spirit of God. We need Him to breathe across this city. I don't want to hype it up, say it's revival if it's not. We need a sovereign move of the Spirit of God. Then you see things happen in one hour that you couldn't bring to pass in 10 years on your own. He is the power of God. He is the touch of God. He is the healer. When he touches people, they are healed. None of us would be here tonight without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You are all byproducts of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Look where you used to be and look where you are now. You think that was a New Year's resolution? You think that was rehabilitation? Uh Uh-uh. That was a supernatural, miraculous moving of God over your life that touched you and changed you. What are you doing in church on a Wednesday night to hear this boring old Bible taught to you? I'll tell you what you're doing here. God changed your want-to-do when the Holy Spirit came inside of you. And the things you used to love, now you hate. And the things you used to hate, now you love. You love being with fellowship. You love being in the presence of God. You love worshiping Him. You can't wait to get here, not because of me or anybody else. You are hungry for Him. And what did that in you? The Holy Ghost. May he breathe on us in a fresh way. 
Amen? How is it that after all you've been through, your faith is still intact? How has your walk with God not shipwrecked long ago? What has kept you from caving in to the persistent voice of the enemy to abandon the good fight of faith? What has kept you from doing it? Why have all your disappointments, disillusionments, stumblings, infirmities, and trials not annihilated your faith, extinguished your hope, and thrown a gloom over your future? The answer is simple. The Holy Spirit of God has silently, invisibly, yet effectively helped you. You should have been down and out a long time ago, but here you are still. Years ago, he tried to take you out, but here you are still. You've been through hell and high water, but here you are still. He beat you down where you thought you'd never get up again, but here you are still with your hands lifted up and worshiping God. Amen. Even others around you said, that's it, and wrote you off, but here you are still. How in the world are you still here? Somebody walked up to me one time and said, Jeff Wickwire, still doing the same thing, teaching the Word of God like it was some big shock. Let me tell you something. The only reason I'm here still is the Holy Ghost, the helper of the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Arthur Pink spoke about the, the Spirit, uh, how the Spirit helps us in the midnight hour. I love this. He said, some precious promise was sealed to your heart in the midnight hour. Some comforting view of Christ was presented to your soul. Some whisper of love was breathed into your ear. And the pressure upon your spirit was reduced. Your grief was assuaged. And fresh courage possessed you. You didn't come up with that. Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you a helper. Notice that Paul said, our infirmities, they are plural, not singular. He, he helps us in our infirmities, plural. And our infirmities as believers comprise the gamut of experience. They might be physical, as some of our body is going through right now. It might be mental. You're buffeted in your mind, tempted, fighting depression, fighting anxiety, fighting confusion or fear, it's mental or it's spiritual. You know that you're in a battle with something that cannot be seen but is real and it's seeking to hold you back and hinder you and stop you and detour you and frustrate you and discourage you. No wonder the Bible so often talks about our frailties because we are frail. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. The Bible says all flesh is grass. Stepped on any grass lately? Frail. That's you. That's me. If the Holy Spirit lifted his help from us, we'd cave in a week to the pressures of this world. The Bible says all their glory is like the flowers of the field, here and gone. That's people. We are compassed with infirmities. Hebrews 5 says... How often have you been staggered by some unanticipated trial? It might have happened this week. Took you off guard. Slapped you upside the head. Something you did not expect. When opposition and persecution have broken out against you for your walk with Christ. That ever happened to you? 
How easy it is to cry out with Jacob, all these things are against me. Or to say with David, I'm going to perish one day at the hand of Saul. It looks bad for me right now, David said. But God kept him. Thank God the promise is the Spirit helps us in our infirmities, plural, mental, physical, spiritual. He helps us. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You can count on that. His covenant is to help you. His covenant is to carry you on. The Greek word for helps means to take part with or to take hold of something with someone else. To take hold of something with someone else. In other words, you're sharing the burden of something with somebody. That's what the word helps means in the Greek. To take part with. The the Holy Spirit actually shares in our sufferings with us because he's in us. He's within us, lives in our heart. It's found in only, that word helps when it says he helps us in our infirmities, plural. That word is found in only one other passage in the whole New Testament, that particular Greek word for helps, only one other place. When Martha, frustrated over Mary's absence in the kitchen, snapped, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to, what, everybody? Help me. So here's Martha, and she's, you know, the stuff is clanging and banging in the kitchen, and here's Mary in there just sitting at Jesus' feet, just looking up and listening to his word. And it began to really bug Martha. And I've learned you're either a Mary or a Martha. If you're a Mary, the Marthas are always going to persecute you because they think you ought to be like them. I'm serious. Uh, Kathy's very, now she doesn't persecute me, but one of the things that we've worked out through the years is she's a Martha, which is a good thing because I don't have one smidgen of Martha in me. I'm just really fully Mary and she's really predominantly Martha. And um, at first she didn't understand why I was wanting to pray all the time and read. And I didn't understand why she was always busy all the time and wanted me to join her in the busyness. So we clashed over that until we realized, hey, I needed you and you needed me. Because if I didn't have a Martha, I wouldn't take care of some practical stuff. And if she didn't have a Mary, she wouldn't be in the Word as much. Because I'm telling you, that's all I do. I'm born to minister the Word of God. But she comes along behind me and picks up all the practical things that I just would never notice. So, how many of you can say, I got the same duo in my marriage? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Now, when she said, tell her to help me, she wanted Mary to share the burden of the kitchen with her so she could have some relief. The same Greek word is in Romans 8, 26. The The Spirit enters our struggles with us. He enters into our struggles with us. And he helps us. He doesn't preach to us from a distance. He enters into the struggle with us. He helps us in our infirmities. The Spirit of God helps the Christian in his infirmities, not only by sympathizing with our plight, but by personal participation. Like a mother helps her child when he's learning to walk. Or one would offer an arm to an aged person to lean on. You don't just stand there as they're walking out the door not able to walk well on their own, you run up and you, and you support them and you help them out. That's the picture of the Holy Spirit. 
Because all of us, can I just tell you the truth? We're all crippled. We're not whole, not like we're going to be in heaven. We fight with weaknesses and many infirmities. So as we're hobbling along and having trouble walking and kind of getting it done, the Holy Spirit comes and holds us up and supports us and helps us where we can do what we could never have done naturally. He's right here with me right now, helping me to get this out where you can understand it. Amen. But in all the areas where we need the Holy Spirit's help, Paul focuses on the most crucial, prayer. Here's what he says. We know not what we should pray for as we should, but the Spirit makes intercession for us. Now I'm going to ask you a million-dollar question before I put the next one up. How in the world would we not know how to pray for or what to pray for like we should? Are we stupid? I mean, is it so bad with us we don't know what we ought to pray for? Why in the world do I not know what I need? I mean, really, do we really need help to say, God, I need help here, here, and here? Can we really mess it up and pray wrong because we really don't know what we need most? Yes. We don't know what we most need. And you know what? Left to ourselves, we would rarely pray for what we need most. Because we want what we want when we want it. And look here, it's often flesh-driven. Listen to this. Sin has so clouded our judgment. And this current fallen world has so obscured our view that we often don't even know what we should pray for. You might think you do, but you don't. Another commentator wrote this, Yet such are our various circumstances, temptations, and wanderings. So often are we shut up in ourselves and cold in our affections. Such deadness of heart is there toward God and spiritual things that at times we know not what to pray for as we ought. But it is here that the Spirit's love and grace is most divinely displayed. Why do we need the Spirit's assistance in prayer? Here's why. Because left to ourselves, we would pray amiss. How many of you have prayed for things in the past, maybe years ago, that right now you thank God He didn't answer you? But if, if I had asked you back then, are you praying according to the will of God? You would have said, I know it. But you found out, oh, it would have been a nightmare if He didn't answer that prayer. That's why I believe now I used to, I used to preach when you pray, it's either going to be yes, no, or maybe. Or no, yes, no, or wait. But I've added a fourth. Yes, no, wait, or you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. How, don't, do you think that God sits up there at heaven? I guarantee you he does. I know God has a sense of humor. I know he does because he created a sense of humor. But don't you know how many times with just you alone, he's turned to Jesus and said, you got to be kidding me. What did they just pray? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> I know that's probably true. I've prayed a few of those. I know I have where God said, you got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding. Where did you come up with that? 
All right? Look what it says in Psalm 78, 18. Out of the will of God, we would pray out of the will of God. We would pray out of the will of God and what would be best for us. It says in Psalm 78, and in their heart, they put God to the test by asking food according to their desire. And we know what happened when they asked for that quail. It says God gave them the request of their, their, their mouth. He answered that prayer, but it brought leanness into their soul. And that tells me this, that there are times we would pray for things that if God answered them, they would do nothing but bring leanness to our soul. That's all that it would do. It would not enhance our spiritual growth at all. It would feed fleshly inclinations, selfish desires, and it would bring leanness to our soul. So, so many, much of the time, we don't know what we ought to pray for. We really don't. You got little kids, a lot of you. What would, would happen to them if you answered every request they made of you? Six-year-old says, Daddy, I want a 12-gauge shotgun for Christmas. We say, you know what? I hear you, but you got to be kidding me. You're going to have to grow a lot before I can do that. It's the same thing with you and me and God. Here's another reason. We are so blinded by self-love that we cannot discern what would best bring glory to God. We couldn't discern it. Advance our own spiritual growth and be most beneficial for the church. We're so blinded by self-love that we can't discern what would really bring spiritual growth to us. And we wouldn't want it. We wouldn't want it. Because it hurts sometimes what God has to do for us to grow. Sometimes it hurts. Anybody picked up the cross lately and can tell me it felt good? It hurts the flesh every time. It's supposed to. It's a cross but it leads to spiritual life. The disciples asked Jesus once in one of my favorite stories in the Bible if they should call fire out of heaven to consume a town that had rejected him. Jesus' reply was simple. It says Jesus turned and spoke sharp words to them. He said, you do not know what kind of spirit you have. See, they were wanting to operate in the supernatural, but according to fleshly uh, motivation. If Jesus had let them, they would, have, they would have smoked a whole town. It would, have been a, it would have been a toasted marshmallow. Everybody, men, women, and children. But Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. And often when we pray, folks, we don't know what spirit we're of. We don't know if it's coming from the flesh or from God's desire for us. Everybody with me tonight? Here's the third and last reason. We're almost done. Our tongues are tied by the leanness of our own souls. And so we don't know how to pray. David complained, I am so troubled I cannot speak. Have you ever been hurting so bad? You went into the presence of God and just groaned because you didn't know what to pray. But even in those times, the Spirit of God knew how to pray for you. Jesus said that it was out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And if the Word of Christ is not dwelling in our hearts richly, how can we expect to have much to say in the place of prayer? So we need the Holy Spirit's help. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking I'm talking maybe only about tongues, and that's how he can pray for us. That's why I wrote this. Whether or not you have a prayer language, the gift of tongues, the Spirit still prays for you. 
with groanings that cannot be uttered. You know what I have taught you about tongues? I'm going to just reiterate one thing. It's always bothered me that you have the two extremes with tongues. And I'm saying this because some people believe that Romans 8.26 is talking about tongues. I used to think that. I don't think it anymore. Because it says it's groanings that cannot even be uttered. That is not talking about glossolalia. It's saying the Spirit of God within you prays to the Father on your behalf when you don't know how to pray. It doesn't say through tongues, which is one way the Spirit of God can pray for you to God if you have that gift. But not everybody has that gift. And what's always bothered me about the teaching on tongues, and I'm going to say this again because, boy, did we get feedback on the radio last time I talked about tongues. Good and bad. But I'm just going to tell you this. It's always bothered me that you have the two extremes. On one side, you have uh, denominational folks who I love in the Lord who say tongues are anathema and not real. And it's not, it's not genuine. It's not a real spiritual gift. I part ways with that because in my study of the scriptures, I really don't think that's true according to Romans 14 too. Go home and read it. So it's bothered me that there is this judgment on people who say they have a prayer language and that if you speak in tongues, you've been deceived. And I've read very eloquent theses on that and I don't agree with it. On the flip side, it's always bothered me at the other extreme that you have folks that say you're not even saved unless you speak in tongues or you don't have the Spirit of God if you don't speak in tongues. You got to be so careful with that one because there you have a condescending attitude towards people who don't. And the Bible says, do all speak with tongues? And it's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. Can they? Oh, I think if somebody went to God and said, I'd really like a prayer language, he'd give them the prayer language. But you can't tell me that Billy Graham doesn't have the spirit. You can't tell me that D.L. Moody didn't have the Spirit or George Whitfield or the Wesley brothers who shook the world with the gospel. They didn't have the Spirit. In my older age, 53, I've been around since I was 18 and all this stuff. I've just come to the conclusion that I'll tell you how I know somebody has the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, and faith. Because I know people who speak in tongues most of the day, and there's not much fruit. I know people who don't speak in tongues, and there's a lot of fruit. But I can flip the coin also and say, I know people that speak in tongues have a lot of fruit, and people that don't and say that it's wrong have no fruit because they're so judgmental. The evidence of the indwelling Spirit of God to me is love. And that's what the Bible says. So for those of you who have no prayer language, I'm going to tell you, that doesn't prevent the Spirit of God from praying for you with groanings that can't be uttered. I have a prayer language, God prayer language, when I was 18. But I don't flaunt it. I don't make it a hallmark of my preaching. I just don't think it's necessary. I don't think you've got to grab somebody by the head, shake their head around, and tell them to say, I love my Honda real quick to sort of jumpstart tongues and you know we laugh at that 
But boy, it is so unfortunately true that that, that really does happen. I've seen people, their throats grabbed and shaking, and people said, say I love my Honda real quick, and it'll jumpstart tongues, or say something, and give them some little saying to, the Holy Ghost doesn't need that to give you tongues? So, I don't know. I'm a little crusty, a little gnarly in my older age. I just don't fool with that stuff like that. If God wants to touch you, he'll touch you. And if you want it, pray for it. He'll give it to you. But if you don't have a prayer language, you may have more fruit in your life than somebody who has spoken in tongues for 30 years. It all depends on how somebody walks and abides in the vine, not whether or not they speak in tongues. But it is valid. So, whether or not you have the gift, the Spirit of God prays for you according to the will of God. Amen? Well, stand up with me. It's quiet in here tonight. I hope I didn't chase some of you off. Let's read what the Message Bible says as we close. Can you read it with me? He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. Thank God for the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Say, well, Pastor, if I don't have a prayer language, am I welcome here? Yes. Well, you're here, aren't you? Have you ever felt not welcome? Come up to me afterwards and tell me whether or not you got it. If you don't have it, I'm going to show you the door. Everybody in here speak. No. I'm just saying, I want to reach all people with all needs. And uh, so let's put, let's put first things first. Father, thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit, without whom, Lord, we would certainly wilt under the attacks of this day. Thank you that he strengthens us every day. Thank you that he breathes fresh hope into us, that he resurrects us when we have been beaten down and defeated, encourages us when we have failed, picks us back up again, dusts us off, and gets us back into the race. We thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray for a great move of that spirit in this church and in this city and in our world that so desperately needs him, needs Jesus. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have some fellowship. Love on one another. We'll see you out.